rotate the selector switch from safe to semi and let people protect their own damn property and start putting some of these people down. The Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. This is episode 258. This week, we have an update on one of last week's stories. Slay the gay bill. A buckhead poo storm. A deadly gang attack. Yep, you guessed it. In prison. No land for some. And updates on the follies under the gold dome. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my partner in this endeavor, writer, journalist, dog mom, and owner of the GeorgiaVirtue.com, Jessica Salaji. What's up, Dave? How was your week? Uh, it was busy. I hate this time of year with the legislature, but, you know, it's temporary. So how was yours? The yellow cloud of death is upon us. Yes, it's terrible. Oh, it, I mean, if, if if anybody could hear it, my voice, I man, it's 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 bad out there. It rained a little bit here on recording day, and um, it was just enough to make like yellow puddles, and um, you know, just yeah, we got a mess. We got pretty yeah, we got pretty decent rain, but you know, I have a black truck, so every morning I go out to my truck, and it's yellow. Uh, but yeah, it, it was such an, it, the beginning of the week last week was so, so nice. Uh, low seventies. I wanted to have my, have the windows down and, and stuff like that. And immediately my sinuses start clogging up. I'm like, ah, yeah, I start burning. And I know that that, that is, uh, uh, I never had allergies as a kid. I mean, I've <clears throat> never bothered me, but getting old sucks. It really does. So we're not going to spend a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, a, more than a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick update on the bulk of the time we spent last week, but uh, we're not going to spend that much time. Uh, Paulding County Sheriff's Office uh, finally fired uh, Deputy McMaster's. They did. I didn't know that. His personnel know. file is a mess. Really? Uh, yeah, I guess you can imagine. Uh Going back to 2015, his supervisors reprimanded, reprimanded him in writing, saying that he can be unnecessarily overly aggressive. He was recently uh, written up for aggressive behavior when dealing with an inmate. Great. Uh, at one point, he was advised to undergo uh, uh, anger management. And he was threatened with termination at one point. Do you know when he was advised to go under anger management? I don't. The story didn't have it. This is off at 11 Alive. Because that's just interesting. Um, not good for the liability aspect for the sheriff's office, you know? No, and he's had a, a bunch of other infractions, uh, such as locking somebody up and not getting the warrant in the right amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I believe that was for a domestic. So he walked out. He never, never got the warrant. Uh, leaving drug evidence sitting out. Leaving a tra- trainee in a in, in in booking for an extended period of time. It's crazy how 
minor and petty that stuff seems when you see what you see um, on the video with him, you know? Like you said, not to belabor the story, but, like, all of those things are important and all of them are violations and, and reasons for a write-up, but, you know, oh, <clears throat> leaving drug evidence out surely seems like a lot less of a problem um, than using unnecessary force. Well, yes, uh, individually, yes. But when you establish that you have a problem with chain of custody with evidence, that threatens, you know, any any prosecution. Absolutely. Uh, had I had I been arrested by McMaster's at some point and had a case pending, you're, you're damn right. I make sure my attorney brought that up. Oh, sure. His cases now are screwed. And you know, again, I don't, I don't make any apologies for how, for how long for how long it took. This this should have happened probably before the incident ever ever took place. But I I think all law enforcement at this point they're they're so they're so understaffed that you you keep trying to find somebody and and think you can train this out of them. I mean, I'd like to have his, to see his post certification revoked. I'm sure it will be. Especially, if, I mean, a post-certification or a post-investigation is automatic when someone is terminated. So they'll at least be aware and, um, you know, I've seen, him, I've, to... I've seen him suspended for a lot less. That's for sure. Oh, I think at one point he used a, a jail car to run personal errands. Excellent. Uh, yeah. So that reminds me that he can always go down to one of your cities down there and get hired on. I mean, hell, even if he drove the, the, the car drunk, he'd be fine. Guyton's always hiring. They are always hiring. Hey, look, I, I get the pressure out here. Cobb County on Dallas Highway, where, uh, where Marion Highway becomes Dallas Highway for because it's crossing the county line. Cobb County's put a giant sign up with all their bonuses they're paying for for transfer law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And there's there's... They didn't just happen to put this sign at the Paulding County line. That was on purpose. Of course it was. Of course, of course it was. Like, hey, we're right here. You can still live in Paulding County. We're right here. Take home car, this much you know, a transfer bonus of this, however much it is. I don't remember how much it was. A much still better wasn't life. Enough to, maybe. Yeah. Well, that's what they're advertising. That's, well, at least they're advertising uh, a better way, better, better able to take care of your family. Yeah. You know, it, it, that's, that stuff starts, we have the same problem in the fire department is, uh, uh, we, sometimes we get caught being a training ground for Cobb County. And, and it's, it's the same, it's the same thing when I hire people to work for me, I'm a training ground for other companies because I can't offer the benefits that, that a big outfit can. Right. So you come to me, you you learn the trade. Uh, I help you get your certifications and all that stuff, and then you're off making making good money, work for somebody else, and and have benefits. I'm okay with that, but you know, a guy to turn a wrench is a lot easier to replace than somebody who's post certified. Mm-hmm. So anyway, SB eighty eight uh, on gender in the classroom dies the hands of unusual slayers. Yes. Um- you know, the midpoint, well, it's not technically the midpoint, but day 28 um, in session is 
for crossover is Monday. And as, as the show drops. Yes. And so that means that, you know, bills are starting to see their fate or take different shapes so that they can get them somewhat across the finish line. Um, because that's the point that they've got to be either out of the House on their way to the Senate or voted out of the Senate on their way to the House. So um, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Senate Bill 88 by um, Senator Cardin Summers. And it's the one where um, basically teachers would be barred from talking about identity, gender identity, and all that jazz in the classroom. So obviously it was controversial. Um, It was among the ones that Summers was taking a lot of flack for. Lots of groups came out against it. And I we had the conversation on the show that – you know, it posed an interesting question because I, I felt like they were skipping a step in that it takes things away from parents. Because if you're not going to make it like a form of child abuse, if you're not going to classify it as, as that, then you're kind of just usurping parental control over and giving it to the state, which is very odd. So anyway, as it turns out, I am on the same page as... Mike Griffin, um, a lobbyist from the Georgia Southern Baptists, um, which is not really my favorite thing, but, you know, he's not wrong here. And and he um, testified against the bill as it was kind of reaching its end, I guess you could say, and basically said, we've heard from folks, um, including lots of legal people and activists, and they're all concerned because this bill will very likely have unintended consequences for parental rights and for children in public schools. Um, and those concerns have not been addressed, which, I mean, that was the problem with like every bill that Summers had proposed a couple weeks ago when we talked about him. I think he had three bills on the show. Um did he admit this bill had problems with it and dropped it I, anyway? I'm pretty sure he said that. Um, I believe he said it's something along the lines of, like it needs to be rewritten or something to that effect. But um, which to me is the worst kind of governance because it then puts you in a position. It puts Republicans. I mean, I, I don't. I hate the two party system, but it puts Republicans on the defense about all social issues because then that gives Democrats the ammunition to say, well, you know, at the time, like while we're going through this legislative session, you know, they're already trying to do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, Republicans want to take away your, your ability to parent your own kid. And they think the bill needs to be rewritten, but they're still forcing it because they don't, you know, like just, it gives them so much ammunition for really no reason at all. Who writes these bills? It wasn't well, Summers. Well, the lo- I mean, it depends. You know, a lot of times lobbyist entities or lobbying show up with it. Show yes, up they- with the language, and then they take that to legislative council, and they make it worse, um, so that it can conform to what's already on the laws in Georgia and, and things like that. But. Uh, well, and one of my objections to, to the bill was if nobody at the school can talk to a student who has questions and they don't want to talk to their parents, who do they talk to? Right. I mean, I mean who, 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 who do you talk to? Now, all, all of us who have seen the shop teacher up in Canada with the giant prosthetic knockers 
who's putting on a, a long troll up there. He, uh, he just decided one day he's going to be a woman and, and puts on, I, I don't know if tri- size double Z is a thing, but puts these things on and is wearing them in class to, to kind of, point, I think, to point out the absurdity of, of transgenderism in, in the school system. So we all agree that that, that really is inappropriate. But also, this this bill one doesn't help it. Doesn't help anything. What it's going to do is going to push these kids who have questions onto the internet, onto Reddit, and other places where they're going to get may not get good information on it. Um, it uh, I don't know how to put in words common sense, and that's that's the problem we have with a lot of legislation. Is common sense says no teachers should not be recruiting boys to chop their winners off and girls to add them on. But what? How do you how do you codify that? How do you codify common sense? And it's it's damn near impossible. What it comes down to is get rid of public schools and let parents choose what school matches their values. Well, and what's super interesting about it is that Summers conceded there were issues, and it was pretty widely talked about, but. Um, Mike Griffin, who, again, is like extreme far right. So I think he is on board with the end goal, um, just not this pathway to get there. So, I mean, he's he supports the, the pathway to get there, but or the, the end goal, whatever. But um, he said that lots of lobbyists from different kind of, I guess, points on the spectrum of the political realm had offered advice and suggestions for language and um, to fix some of the concerns that were being openly discussed and Summers would not accept it. So again, like is Summers just trying to have a rise to fame because he was a nobody and nobody knew who he was? I mean, what what's he doing? Like what's the, what was the point? And oh, there's some of that. And he he gave this the unnecessary ammunition for a celebration because after it failed in committee, because I think all but one lawmaker voted to table the bill um, and it had to be voted out of that committee to get by to the floor by Wednesday. But um, or excuse me. By the following Monday, but um, they went and popped bottles of wine and champagne in the office of some of the Democrat lawmakers, which like. (laughs) Well, you know, you messed up when you have a guy with a collar on, you know, a preacher's collar and a 300 pounder with a pink hoo-hoo hat on holding hands saying this is wrong. Right. You know, that's, you, you done messed up somewhere. But why be too prideful to take the feedback? I don't know. I don't know if this is a campaign promise he made. I don't know if, if he stood up on, on, on the, uh, on the block when he was, when he was running for office and said, I'm going to get transgender, transgenderism out of our public schools. Yeah. I don't I mean, know. To me, if anything, it just shows that he is, um. Not good for governance because if you can't take, it's one thing if you're like 
taking the constitutional route and you 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 trying to restore powers or to the people or something like that but like when you're taking on something controversial and you don't want to at least hear out all side uh, you, you you've got problems so Rest well, yeah, peace. this also comes about when you don't when you don't go to people before dropping the bill. You don't go to constituents. You don't go to special interest groups, and even even the and say, "I'm thinking about dropping this." What are your opinions on it? Right, and and get feedback there and go. You know what? Thank you. I I, I could have made an ass of myself. I'm going to stick this in the drawer until until maybe next year when I can rewrite it and and, and it looks better. But the good news for him is no one pays attention to it. The bill won't come to the floor. They can they can pop as many corks as they want in their offices. It doesn't matter by the time this the next legislative session will be 24. They'll be in and out and on to the, the campaign trail. Yeah. Uh, that's, and that's, that's, a, that's the only good thing when you, if, if you drop, if, if you drop stupid legislation in the first part, in the first session, you know, uh, before the election year, people generally forget about it. True. Very true. So, Buckhead's on fire. It is. Um, so, obviously, the legislation to make Buckhead its own city and secede from the city of Atlanta, mostly because of issues over crime um, and services, is advancing and has been advancing. And um, last week, Kemp's executive counsel, David Dove, released a two-page memo that had like more than a dozen questions outlined for Senate bills 113 and 114, um, which came out of committee earlier in the week. And basically put like a bunch of pressure on Kemp's floor leaders, which are Senators Bo Hatchett and Mike Hodges, and said that they needed to evaluate the proposal because there's constitutional and statutory challenges um, which could basically affect, like, have a ripple effect on Georgia municipalities for unseen, unforeseen outcomes. Um, and so there's a couple of things here. Obviously, I wouldn't have expected Kemp to say anything about the city of Buckhead during the election. I mean, that would be idiotic because it is so contentious. But he hasn't said anything at all in the last let's say 90 days. And this has been talked about. It's been, it's been moving along and here we are, it's coming to the Senate floor and all of a sudden he's like having his, I mean, it's not, it's very uncommon for his office to have his, basically his lawyer, um, send this memo and release this memo in opposition because, um, traditionally, Kemp's office says, we don't comment on pending legislation. Like, I've reached out to Kemp's office about legislation before. I've read comments where they've told that it's only when it's his initiatives, of of course. But so the, the fact that he's stepping in here um, and standing in the gap and saying, you better slow your roll, is, is a really big deal. It's also, I think, a mistake to, he could make private phone calls. He could have his floor leaders. He could call the lieutenant governor. He could call the speaker. And and put and put this out there and say, you know, 
th- these are the problems and keep, keep it internal. Uh, unless they told him, said, no, if you want to be the bad guy, you be the bad guy. Yeah. Because look, I understand why Buckhead wants to be its own city. So, they're not getting, they're, they're supplying all the money for the police and getting almost none of the protection. Right. And response times are absolutely horrific and, and plenty of other reasons. Um, their elections are a mess. I mean, every, everything's a mess. But, um, you know. Well, elections will continue to be a mess because that, that's county. Sure, but when you have um, a lot of times, like major cities will aid in the administration of like we have lots of cities down here that can we have the authority to they to run their own elections and then they just partner with the counties. But but anyway, um, Bert Jones, the our lieutenant governor, is in favor of this move with Buckhead, which is a shift from Jeff Duncan because one of the reasons that it struggled last year was because of Jeff Duncan. Um, but he said that, you know, they're not doing enough to control crime and they're not getting their money's worth. And um, obviously the bill is just about putting it on the ballot. It's not a final decision, but... um which when when his attorney came out and said this is just a very loud minority, well then what friggin' difference does it make? Put it on the ballot. Well, but he's brought if, up if it's, some, such, if it's such a noisy majority a minority, put it on the ballot. But he's brought up some valuable concerns, which include yes. the fact that Atlanta has bond debt that is um, allocated to certain portions and. People vote on those things, and they they vote to collect taxes based on that. And it's it's similar to splash money, um, in the sense that they are like legally bound to to that money. Um, and then the other thing is that um, Atlanta public schools apparently have not been contacted at all. Fulton County schools have not been contacted at all. And currently, anyone who lives in the Buckhead community. Um, has a child that attends an Atlanta city school and Atlanta city schools are exclusive to city residents. People who are in favor of Buckhead have kind of just said that we'll just collect the taxes and still send our kids there. But like, that's not, that's not legal. Like if you live in Cobb County and you want to send your kid to Marietta schools, you have to get a waiver. You have to apply. And in Marietta, I don't know if it's still this way, but several years ago, you had to pay a tuition. Um, so I don't, even if you, I mean, I understand they're going to still collect taxes, but it just creates a whole host of problems. And apparently the school systems have not been consulted, which is fascinating to me because this is not like, this is not like it's popped up two weeks ago and they're like, hey, you know what? Maybe we should secede. Like this has been on the the chop, the conversation um, list for a long time. And while those are valid points, I'll go back to to mine, which is get rid of public schools, um, <clears throat> and that won't be, that won't be an issue. At, at no point during this did the city say, "City of Atlanta, say, all right, this is our plan to help better serve Buckhead." They've actually never done that because they don't care because that's not where the votes come from. No, the money comes from the Buckhead, money. right? Right, the money comes from Buckhead. The votes come from everywhere else in Atlanta, where I was yesterday in West End. You know, the where you 
where I guarantee you police don't patrol alone. Um, and, and look, in Buckhead, a lot of them are, 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 are rich white liberals. Yeah, sure. these, these aren't these these aren't people with with MAGA hats on. These are rich white liberals who, who basically say we don't. Uh, no, we we agree in principle with with everything. We just don't want to be associated with you. And so, they're but, people who have had their businesses torched, their smash and grabs, their homes. I mean, well, you stop at a stoplight anymore down this. Their lives have changed. Buckhead, when I lived in Buckhead before I moved to South Georgia, it was completely different. A, a world apart from what it is now. Right. And and here's the thing with Kemp being so so opposed to it. He doesn't live in Buckhead. Yes, he occupies the mansion. He's not sitting at red lights. He's not uh, he's not seeing like I saw in the West End yesterday, somebody selling pet turtles at an intersection. I kid you not, pet turtles. Yeah, uh, he's not seeing that. He's not dealing with it. If he goes anywhere by by a helicopter or a motorcade, he, you know he, he, you know he's Kemp's Kemp's country boy. He, I don't know what his what put a burr under his damn saddle over it. Not that he can't oppose the legislation or, or whatever, but he's obviously pissed about it. And I know he's got a good working relationship with the current Atlanta mayor, and that could be it too. But for yeah. somebody who probably has his eyes on the Senate in 26, coming out with, 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 with again, it'll be forgotten by 26, I know. Um, but to come out that strong against it instead, instead of just giving the same thing, I, I, I don't speak out, we don't speak on pending legislation unless it's, a, unless it's one of my initiatives. That's it. That's all he had to say. And he could, he could, he could, he he can veto it. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Well, yeah, that's something I've never understood. And Deal was just as guilty of making threats along the way. Like, if you want to be bold and, you know, super iron fist about your values, then have the courage when it comes to your, to keep your mouth shut and when it comes to your desk to, veto it but our governors routinely do not do that um and look there's they're not going to have the votes necessary to override a veto no way yeah there's just there's just no way in hell especially once it once it hits the governor's uh governor's desk he vetoes it sends it back then everybody who needs the governor's help is going ooh, we're just gonna let this one slide but it seems like executives are so worried about about using the veto pen. So worried about it, because then, then they'd have to take a stand on something. But I don't know. I I I, I completely empathize with the people of Buckhead. That's why there's a huge migration of Buckhead money into Cobb County right now. Is it's not that far to go from 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 Buckhead, especially area of Buckhead near Roswell Road and all that stuff. It's it's right across it's right across the river, and you're in Cobb County. Yeah. And then and then you've got Cobb County schools. You get East Cobb schools, as a matter of fact. East Cobb schools. You've got uh, a dedicated county po- police department, 
And you don't, and honestly, I believe in Cobb County, you get a discount at 62 or 65 on your property taxes. So, you know, what we're seeing in the real estate market, especially in that area of Cobb County, is we're seeing a lot of Buckhead money leaving Buckhead and moving out to, say, out to. I mean, it's only maybe a move of five miles. Getting better roads, better service, and safer environment in Cobb County than they had in, uh, in Buckhead, which is a lot of it's actually into Cab. No. It, Buckhead neighborhoods it reaches over to part of DeKalb. It may not, may not be what, what would be what would be the, considered the city of Buckhead, but but yeah. some of the some of the, some of the stuff I the houses I go to they say I'm in Buckhead. I see the Cab County signs. I'm going there. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I I don't <clears throat> I don't know why the why this is the fight he decided to get involved in. And it seems yeah. somewhat beneath the governor to get involved in whether or not a city wants to form. I concur. This is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over the georgiavirtue.com. Jessica, it's time for the mule. Yeah, speaking of idiots and stupid-ass cities, um, (laughs) (laughs) in the city of Statesboro recently during a council meeting, we have this thing called the creek on the blue mile really it's a ditch on the blue mile that they have just blue mile is like our downtown road in in statesboro that has some restaurants and they do farmer's market and things like that takes you to the courthouse square and all that jazz so um anyway there was a recent they're they're doing all these improvements army corps of engineers is involved um because they are using this creek to well, they were making a, a reservoir and um, for stormwater and flood plain management and all that. So it's been several years in the making. And um, there's been lots of grants and different places that the money's coming from, including there's some state money coming. And I think it's been like four years, a little more than four years. Um, but so far, they have done nothing really like they have all they've done is draw plans collect money bank money initiate loans and everything and and in the that time period obviously like everything has costs have skyrocketed the project went from like a projected um 30 million to closer to 40 million um and so during the council meeting councilman phil boyan brings this up and says you know it's a it's a big deal that all these um costs are going up and the project scope is getting smaller like now they're they're not talking about doing a reservoir at all they're just talking about diverting water elsewhere and he's so he's like you know we're talking about th- spending 30 to 40 million dollars to get a 10 million dollar return on investment and that's a, a terrible investment no one in this room would do that the conversation went on for about 15 minutes of him questioning the city manager and fi- arguing back and forth with his other council members um just belaboring what a ridiculous concept this was. And then at the end of it, he said, well, I'm going to make a motion to move forward with this because I believe in this project. So he did. Those projects never, ever, ever net 
the gains that they promise. No. I mean, look, the the movie studio in Paulding County, we took a bond, built it, in a recession, mind you, when when housing prices were, property prices were very, very low, and then sold it for half what we had invested or something like that to to a private company just to get rid of the damn thing, and then didn't even take the proceeds from that and put and pay, pay the bond down. They said, no, we can do more. We can do better with this money. And it will put it somewhere else because they have government has such a great history of making wise investments. Well, I it's a terrible investment. I agree with him on that. But worse, you know, what kind of clown spends all that time belaboring it, pointing out factual points about it, listing off numbers and then saying, I'm going to vote. Motion for to approve. Yeah. You suck. Nobody should ever do this. It's a horrible waste of money. M- motion to approve. Yeah. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. I mean, I, I, well-deserved. Well-deserved, Councilman. Well-deserved. But you're going to have to do a lot better to, uh, or a lot worse, to really catch up. So, deadly gang attack uh, set in motion by prison guards. Yes, so this isn't one I want to spend too much time on because we do have a lot of legislature stuff to talk about. But I did think it was worth um, highlighting because the recent, recently appointed Department of Corrections Commissioner Tyrone Oliver um, recently was on a call in which he said that he was excited about joining the Department of Corrections. This was the morning after the warden down here was arrested. And he's like, I, I'm excited about being here. And I just love the culture. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, about, to being part of the team, blah, blah, blah. So as it turns out, the culture is, I mean, this isn't a surprise to nobody, but the culture is absolute crap. Um, and anyone who thinks that the culture is anything worth joining as going to be part of the problem. So, Phillips State Prison in Buford, Georgia. Um, there was a murder there last year. Um, a 19-year-old, his last name's McBride. I don't know how to say his first name, and I don't want to... Quafabian. Yeah, maybe. Um, allegedly. But his last name is McBride. And he was killed um, in prison. So, first of all, his mother... He was, he was told by... His mother was told by inmates that her son had been murdered. She kept calling the prison and they're like, Oh no, 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 he, he's fine. He's not, he's not even in that unit. Um, but he actually was killed in that unit on September 30th. And he was in the lockdown unit because officers put him there. Um, and he was killed according to an inmate who watched it all happen. Um, when a mission to perform a quote hit on a rival gang member went awry. Um, this is a story that was reported by Danny Robbins from the AJC and he does a phenomenal job reporting on, the Department of Corruption, um, but we'll link to the story. But um, they fired, well, they removed officers from their posts. So I guess you could say they demoted them um, and moved them to another position after this because they're getting sued over their decision to do this. And basically what they did was, um, there, and there was a witness who is, 
acting as a whistleblower and attesting to all of this, um, which is pretty scary when you think about it as a side note, like being an inmate in the Department of Corrections and being a whistleblower on Department of Corrections employees, because if they're willing to help a gang, like how, I I don't know. But um, this other inmate basically, um, so let me back up. This this whistleblower, Joseph Williams, said that he saw officers um, make it possible for McBride and two other inmates to attack another gang member whose last name is Simon. So the guards went in, removed Simon's cellmate, unbolted the cell door, and then brought McBride into the lockdown unit, even though he wasn't a lockdown inmate. Um, and... I guess Simon knew that something was up because his cellmate was removed and something was off with the door. So as soon as McBride entered his cell, he stabbed him in the heart. Um, Very gruesome. And uh, apparently he took a few steps and pretty much fell over dead um, right there. But McBride was never supposed to be in the lockdown unit. The lockdown unit is in prisons that are not Smith State Prison that are actually, like, full, you know, 23 hours in their cells. Like, they're not they're not out wandering around. The doors are not unlocked. And so these guards quite literally opened the door for this to happen. And then they were going to kill this one guy, Simon. Well, Simon's now been charged with felony murder. Um, he's claiming self-defense. All over the Bloods and the Crips. And it begs the question of, like, what... I mean, we had this conversation when we talked about the warden and and Smith, but, like, what are you supposed to do when you have people in the system who work for the system helping coordinate? Like, they should be charged with conspiracy. They should be charged with party to a crime all the things we charge people on the outside with uh violation of oath uh probably taking bribes i mean sure. look there's <clears throat> they, they didn't do this just just because they like the cribs or the or the bloods uh <clears throat> this is one of those cases where we're defending the, the worst people in the world uh well, Fabian mcbride not a good guy apparently i mean he went in to go kill somebody uh, Phillips with another, with another person too. Yeah, and the, and the guy who defended himself, yes, you can charge him with with having uh, having contraband by having having a weapon, but to hit him with with murder for defending himself for somebody who should have never been the the, the, the biggest problem is is the corruption, and I don't know how I don't know how you root it out. No, and you can't, and you cannot say, well, inmates are creative. They have all day long to just sit and think about things. Yes, that is true. But from where McBride was housed in a traditional dorm to the lockdown unit is 100 yards away and three security checkpoints. So... So he he, he got through three security checkpoints with a weapon, presumably. With, and then got open a door. Yes, this is a plot out of a really cheesy 80s TV show. 
about moving prisoners from from one uh, one cell block to the other in order to in order to, to get somebody who's a troublemaker. Uh, I mean, it, it really is. I, mean, I think this I think this has been a plot of the A team. If I can remember back that far, I mean, it's that's how I mean that that's how bad this plot is. It's I mean the the corruptions what is what bothers all of us. I mean, look the they 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 are in our as 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 citizens in our care in our charge. I'm not saying we have to. Uh, maybe the cure is to go to 100% lockdown, have minimum security and maximum, and that's it. And every, and uh, the majority of prisoners that are felons are locked up. 23 hours a day. So the only person they interact with is their cellmate. I, I don't know that we have the facilities for that. I just, I just don't know. I mean, and, and again, she finds out about it from prison cell phones. Right. Which is terrible. I mean, and God only knows how long it would have taken her to find out had she not been notified by them. I mean, family members. Until, yeah, until they, they could clean up the evidence. Wait days and days and days before... And, and it w- it's not like she would have been able to go be with him. I mean, he, he dropped dead right there. But um, the well, whole thing is... Somebody, somebody made an interesting observation on your page talking about the cell phones, the contraband, is a lot of the times that, that we're finding out about the corruption that's going on behind behind these doors is because of the prisoners having cell phones. Because the prisoner was... Able, somebody on the... Was like, no, he was, taking, he was taking it from here to here. And, and this is what happened. This wouldn't have been, if if the news hadn't got gotten out from from you know I'm not supporting having contraband cell phones in prison but had the news not gotten out that way we would have never heard about it he would have been just another dead felon another dead gangbanger well I mean and you that, would and that's, still that, that have the witness a witness to what I understand to the- you have a, yeah but we uh, we've said we've said the last few weeks talking about about law enforcement in prisons. Every prisoner goes, no, they're crooked, they're crooked. And we as a society tend not to listen. Like, oh, they sure. all say that. It's sort of like the old people in the in the uh, retirement homes. My nurse is stealing from me. No, they're not, Dad. And every, and every once in a while, it's true. Um, and that's, and, and that's, the, that's the, it's the curiosity from, from, from a lot of us because we don't know what happens behind those, those doors. That's what makes makes plots of movies about prison and, and things like that is because there's a natural curiosity because the vast majority of us, thank God, aren't going on that side of the aren't going on that side of the wall. So I but uh, once again, there's no there's no easy solution to it. All right, so let's get on to some shenanigans going on under the gold dome. Bill preventing some land ownership in Georgia. Yeah, so this one is moving along. It was in rules. Um, to my understanding, as of the recording, it had not made its way out, but I I fully expect this to be a crossover day. Um, Two in the morning? Well, yeah, no, not that late. But yeah, I, I expect it to be a crossover day, Bill. But they, so basically, Clay Perkle from South Georgia has legislation pending to bar um individuals governments and entities that are considered foreign adversaries of the united states to bar them from buying agricultural land within 25 miles of a military base 
It also, in a, 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 it bars them from directly or indirectly acquiring um, their, you know. So the the kicker on that is that if an entity has, a, uh, there's a lien or something and they acquire it through the debt process, they are required by law to dispose of the property within three years. Um, All right. The the first problem with this is defining adversary. Uh, every country on earth is our adversary in one way or another. Doesn't mean we're all going to war with them. Means that we all compete. We all compete for resources. We record, uh, uh, compete for talent on the on the global market. Uh, we we compete for obviously for bringing you know, companies to to our shores, just like Kemp did when he went to, to Davos. Uh, he was out there competing with other municipalities around the world to bring that money from the World Economic Forum to Georgia. So so how are we going to define it? Is Russia an adversary right now? Probably, even though we just uh, we just last week took their cosmonaut uh, up to uh, the International Space Station. Um, is China an adversary? Absolutely. Does the federal government define them that way? No. Uh, they call Saudi Arabia an ally. The House of Saud is not an ally to the United States. We are allies of convenience when when needed. So how how do you how how do you define that? I don't know. And 25 miles, that's uh, very arbitrary. Don't agricultural land within 25 miles of a military installation. Yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 that's very arbitrary. And, and if, if you lend on that property, you have to essentially auction it off within three years. They say dispose of it. Yeah, I think but it's the, offensive that we want to say in America that certain people can't own land. I don't care who you are. Like if you have the, I mean, private property rights did not apply to us citizens only. They don't, cause if they right. did, we, people wouldn't be able to buy, um, land through an LLC or a corporation or whatever. And I can't wait for this to bite them in the behind with some economic development project through some development authority or, whatever because they can't own it in they can't majority have a majority share or you know full ownership um it's the same thing they did with tiktok they said the the chinese government can't own tiktok the united states they still do the chinese still own tiktok of course they do of course they do so all this does is put another level of paperwork between between ownership of of the property and the, the, the grand masters. And I know this comes up over the reports of farmland being snatched up around, around the country by Chinese. But I, one, any, any, anything on that level needs to be addressed by the Congress, not the state legislature. Because who in the state is qualified to say who an adversary is? Well, yeah, and also, I mean, if you consider it from the standpoint of how political 
government should not be deciding that at all because government is, is too political and too rooted in individuals' ideology. It's why the Bill of Rights doesn't have an ideology. It just is. But, um, I mean, this is the same concept. It's going to ebb and flow based on what's going on. And, I mean, what happens if there's – I mean, I know this is unlikely, but that doesn't mean that it's not something to consider um, – what happens when you have a deal in progress and s- some country is declared an adversary? Like, because what the bill requires is for basically a realtor to do the due diligence on this, which has the realtors up in arms and the lawyers for the realtors groups and lobbying organizations up in arms because their argument is that this is going to violate the hell out of the um, Fair Housing Act, which. I mean, you're based, you're you're discriminating based on national origin outright. And Clay Perkle's response was, I think he said twelve other states maybe um, had passed legislation like this, and he was confident that Georgia's was the best in the nation, and that was all he had to say about that, which is really an offensive response to somebody's legitimate concerns about how something will impact their industry, right? Like. You might feel like it's the best idea ever, but should you still be respectful of their legitimate concerns that their lawyers are saying, hey, we're, we're waving the red flag here. Like, this might cause us some massive problems. Yeah. And look, we, we, Venezuela, I, 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 they're citizens now, but uh, I've got some friends who were who were from Venezuela. He was, he was an engineer in Venezuela and he escaped. But uh, until he became a U.S. citizen under this, he would have been barred from buying any sort of agricultural property within 25 miles of a military installation. And, and he has, he wants nothing to do with the regime down there. I assure you, but just because of his national origin, like, ah, they're adversaries. Nope. All right. Let's start hitting some stupidity here. Well, I do want to say one more thing, and this is a stupidity thing, but I just want to say like the one thing that they're forgetting is that we have domestic terrorists too. (laughs) And we have groups here that are considered, threats to our republic and our democracy or whatever you want to call it no matter what side of the aisle you're on they're threats and they can buy i mean they can buy land wherever they want we don't we don't limit them so it's just inconsistent but um talking about stupid bills last week was full of them um in terms of ones that passed out of the house not just dropped because if you look at ones that are just filed it's off the off the chain um deborah stillcox from buckhead sandy springs area she had hb 500 to create um a special new crime for people who torch a police car um subjecting them to five to 20 years in prison and a hundred thousand dollar fine and the reason that she almost made mule of the week is because one of the um lawmakers in the rules committee was like hey rep silcox um have you do you have any type of evidence that suggests that mandatory minimums act as a deterrent for a crime and she's like this is not a mandatory minimum and he was like well actually you know felonies have a one-year minimum so if you're making it a minimum of five that is a mandatory minimum and she's like no that's not what this is the sentence is five to twenty years she's smart she's not um (laughs) but what's even more hilarious to me. So another question was like, why, why is this necessary? And she answered that 
because of the chip shortage. Well, my understanding was that all cars have chips in them. And she said also because of the equipment outfitting, which, you know, I understand. We have seen that in local agencies where there's um, problems getting, or not problems, a slowdown or a slight delay in getting equipment. Um, but what about the business? Like, you're so you're telling me that if you have a, a Georgia State Patrol, Tahoe, and a regular Tahoe parked parallel in, in Buckhead, and some rioters walk up, that government vehicle is worth more than... First of all, it's a Cadillac and, uh, and Buckhead, being Escalade. Uh, yeah, well, yes, this, this goes right back to creating uh, separate classes of victim. So if you burn my, my business that's worth millions of dollars, but you leave the police car out front, your sentence starts off at one year for the felony. Well, I don't think that's a fair equation because they are trying to raise, they did actually pass something to heighten the offense for rioting too. So, but like if you have two cars sitting side by side and one is privately owned and one is government owned, why is the one that has a, where the government is quote the victim, why is that one worthy of more punishment? Well, the people who are doing this are not thinking about the punishment. Not that, 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 not not. that we've seen. What we've seen are people in masks. You have no idea who threw that firework. You have no idea who who did what. If you just happen to catch somebody, is the next person who is rioting with a, with a backpack full of fireworks going to think about, oh man, he got he got five to ten? No, no. And in fact, if being being the smart ass that I am, if if I were, if I were about to riot, I'd put police tape around all the police vehicles and say, caution, this will cost you five years, and then go burn everything else down. And just be a complete smartass about it. Yeah. Follow Dave for more riding tips. Um, yeah. You, you want to cure this? Rotate the selector switch from safe to semi and let people protect their own damn property. And start putting some of these people down. If you want to pass a law that says that you, you can respond to protect your own property in a riot with deadly force, that will cure it. Well, sure. Absolutely. Right. But Fill those gutters with blood and it'll stop happening. You should have a right to protect your own property. The fact is the government will even protect its own property because what, what they do in face of a riot is shrink up and go get inside somewhere instead of trying to protect the public. All true. And when you do have somebody with the balls to stand up and defend himself, he gets to go on trial for his life. And luckily he, he, uh, he was found not guilty. I'm talking about Rittenhouse. But you finally find someone with the balls to protect private property and you try to make, them, uh, try to make an example out of them. Those are the laws you need to fix, not create a separate class of victim because you hurt the government. Government's the only the only entity that has the ability just to replace what's burnt. I can't. You burn everything I own, and and, I, and I'm stuck. Yep. Yeah. What else do we have? Um, well, Monday motivation. Yeah. So. The um, law or the House made HB 237 a thing, passed it out into the Senate to make the official soapbox derby of the state of Georgia to be the Southeast Georgia Soapbox Derby in Lyons, Georgia. So 
Um, yeah, we, we're halfway there to having an official Soapbox Derby um, designation. Sorry to all the other Soapbox Derbies around the state. Um, F you. Um, yeah. Well, pretty- the, the gr- gravity works better there. It's flat here. <laughs> it is literally so flat, but yeah. Uh, All right. As what else we got? Um, just quickly. So there was a legislation to make it unlawful to hunt wild game with the use of electronically imitated or amplified calls or sounds, unless you're hunting bobcat or fox. Big time issues. And then um, perhaps one of the, going back to the police, I don't know, I guess we'll just hammer on them since you just talked about them running and hiding away. But um, Kemp is creating a student loan forgiveness plan for peace officers. So once you've been a peace officer for one year, um, live in the state of Georgia, you can have up to $20,000 over five years of your tuition um, forgiven by the state of Georgia for each year of credible service. Um, Right now, there's $3.2 million in the budget for it, and it'll work on a first-come, first-serve basis. But, um, you know, first of all, we're not talking about academy costs. Like, yes, we know that there's law enforcement shortages everywhere, but we're not talking about academy costs because – a lot of agencies will pay for someone to go to the academy and they only have to stick around for two years. So what they're talking about is um, uh, like actual college and university educations, which people are not going into law or like choosing not to go into law enforcement because they want to get a bachelor's degree, but they can't afford it. Like that's not that's not how people pick that that job. Um, and so I, I'm not sure what this is going to do in terms of recruiting. You know, they say we're like 5,000 officers short or something across the state in different agencies. And that's just in the vacancies that they have, like not full staffing. That's just in what they're advertising to try to fulfill. Um, I, I could, I could see a law enforcement relevant degree, criminal justice. I, uh, I believe it has to be criminal justice, but um, and they have to be full time. Full time students or full time officers. They have to be a full time peace officer or a full time peace officer enrolled in a study of criminal justice to apply for the grant. So. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the military's been doing that for years. You know, give us four years, we'll give you four years of college. Yeah, the, the it's GI a little Bill bit different goes- though, because you can, a lot of people know you can go into the military and then you can leave, like. Who goes into most people don't go into law enforcement planning to leave. I think most people go into it as a career and then are surprised if they leave or they're surprised uh, by a, the end. Military is a lot the same way. You get in thinking it's going to be awesome and you get to do all this awesome stuff. And, you know, four joint surgeries later and, and five deployments, you're like, all right, I, I, I got to get out of here. I guess what I'm saying is that people, there are plenty of people who join the military strictly because they will pay for your education. I don't think there are people going into law enforcement in, like, I don't think no. you're going to get people going into law enforcement. Also, $20,000 $20, is really... Drop in the bucket? Yeah, I mean, the, but whatever. You know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, look, I, 
I of all of all the things they've done, that's I mean that's that. You're right. I don't think that's going to fill the void. I don't, I don't think a bunch of people can go. You know what? Twenty thousand dollars in college. Sign me up. Where do you want me? West in Atlanta? Yeah, sure. Give me give me a uh, give me a car and a uniform. And let's go. All right. As we're winding down, Jessica, your closing thought. Um, I just wanted to announce that I have um, been interviewed in several episodes of the prison town podcast which is available on apple podcasts and spotify um it's a deep dive into smith state prison which we've talked about a lot and i've written about a lot but um it also talks about a lot of the corruption within the department of corrections and it's produced by the center for um collaborative journalism in macon um and by a super talented um woman named evie weatherby but she was kind enough to let me participate in some of the episodes and offer some of the research that I've done. And it's just a really fascinating um, storyline of like a lot of the stuff I've been reporting on. So um, it's on, like I said, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Sweet. Yeah. My close thought is I was, uh, I've booked a, a trip for later in the year uh, going to Greece yeah, I was looking to upgrade the because I I have to have uh, domestic legs go from here to JFK over to Athens and from Athens to Boston back to Atlanta. I was looking to upgrade those seats. There's some Delta's got some stuff. Got, and I'm trust me, I'm a Delta homer. I, I grew up in a Delta family. That's almost exclusively who I fly. Unless there's like if I'm within Greece, I can't fly Delta. I have to fly their own airline, Aegean. But other than that, I'm a I'm a Delta homer. There was a thousand dollar difference per leg per passenger on their website and on their app. I'm not talking about going to a third party app. I'm talking about the Delta app versus the Delta website. A thousand dollars per passenger per leg. That's four thousand dollar difference between booking the upgrade on the app and booking it on their uh, on their web page. So that's just my my gripe of the week. Yes, I used the app <laughs> to to do it. Otherwise, I hmm. would wouldn't. Wouldn't have spent that much that much money on a on what is essentially a, a four hours of flying time domestically. So if you if you happen to be booking travel, look at the look at the website and the app before you book. So on that bit of travel advice, thank you very much for listening. If you like what you heard, uh, like us and share us on Facebook and other social media. If you don't like what, what you've heard, be sure to sub- subscribe your friends so they suffer they have to suffer the same way you did. I can talk. So for Jessica, Salaji, my partner's endeavor, Eric Cumbie, our awesome editor. I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. Catch me howling at the moon